In this episode, I speak to amazing women who are campaigning against domestic violence. Here's Chloe Fairweather, the director of the powerful film Dying to Divorce. I never thought of them as really, truly sad stories because I always saw them moving forward and that was what captivated me. And it just showed me the amazing things that are actually possible. What humans can achieve is is phenomenal. I also reviewed Dying to Divorce with top critic Simran Hans. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket. Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off. Does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Welcome to Girls on Film. I'm your host, Anna Smith, and this episode is in partnership with Dartmouth Films. The film Dying to Divorce is the UK's official Oscars entry for the Best International Feature Film category. Helmed by British director Chloe Fairweather, the doc focuses on the survivors of gender-based violence in Turkey. It also follows a lawyer, Ipek Bozkurt, who's determined to challenge misogynistic violence by putting abusive men behind bars. I'll be speaking to Chloe and Epec soon. First, to review Dying to Divorce, here's Simran Hans, a writer, film critic and self-proclaimed documentary nerd. Simran, welcome back to Girls on Film. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. And this feels like a very important film to be discussing. It's the UK's international Oscar submission because it's British made, but it's actually filmed in Turkey. For the listeners, could you explain what kind of cultural world this is set in? So the film opens with a really shocking statistic that declares that one in three women in Turkey experience domestic violence. And the film kind of underscores the idea that actually for the developed world, that's incredibly high. I think Turkey is a really interesting country because on one hand, it's very cultural and there's like a real rich cultural history that has come out of that country. And we think of it, as the film says, as part of the developed world, but also it's still incredibly patriarchal. And I think something that Chloe Fairweather, the filmmaker, does is kind of draw out the context of why these statistics are so shocking and, and why these things keep happening within that world. This country protects murderers who would like to punish their wives, their daughters or their girlfriends who want to have different things in life than they did before. When justice is in danger, people are afraid about their lives, who are afraid about their children's lives. It's impossible to have proper justice. Well, that's the thing. In a country where democracy is fading away, when you see guns so much, when you see bombs so much, when you see violence, on state level, on public level, translates into private lives. And it goes on to focus on two women in particular, which I personally found their stories very moving. Were you affected by these? Of course, how could you not be? I think something that a documentary 
I guess doesn't have to do, but sometimes it's helpful for a documentary to do this if it's especially if it's a kind of advocacy project, is to put human faces and human stories to data, which seems really shocking and seems like something that would be obvious. Um, but I think people, when they see the impact on the lives of these women in this visceral way, how can you not respond? You know, the two main protagonists, we track them over a five-year period. One of them is a, a journalist called Kubra, who once worked for Bloomberg and was this sort of vivacious, articulate woman. Uh, her The story is tragic. Uh, her husband hit her in the head four times, causing a brain hemorrhage just two days after she'd given birth to their first child um, and caused her permanent brain damage. Uh, she has to have rehabilitation and speech therapy in order to testify against him in court, a process that kind of takes many years. When you see how that affects her in this kind of very direct, very immediate way. Um, how, how could you not be moved by that? What was very good is that they also had a sort of contrasting example from a woman with a very different background in very different circumstances. But my God, I was crying watching her testimony. I don't know about you. It's a really hard watch. Like, I think I'm tough. Like, I could sit through quite a lot. But, you know, just seeing physically how harmed these women have been, it was just, yeah. There's a moment where she says that she asked her husband not to shoot her in her arms so that she could still pick up her children. Yes, this is the other woman, um, Azu, who was a more traditional kind of mother. Uh, she had six children. I think she said that she originally had nine children, but some of them passed away or were miscarried. And um, she ends up being paralysed because her husband had an affair and then she asked for a divorce and he both like left her and violently, you know, physically made her disabled. And that is heartbreaking. But one thing I thought that was really interesting that was drawn out in her storyline was the clip of her father, who is kind of reflecting on how maybe he was complicit um, in this kind of tragedy happening to her life. He talks about you know, marrying her off at age 14 and um, maybe kind of allowing this to happen. And the kind of reckoning and guilt and personal responsibility, I found that really moving. And it, it kind of shows that we have this fixed idea of a, of a kind of culturally acceptable patriarchy, but actually attitudes are changing. I like that too. I think there is a spirit of hope in this film and resilience and survival as well as these shocking stories, particularly in the women that are all working together and fighting to stop this happening. It's actually about a woman's decision and men trying to suppress and prevent that decision-making process. You are a survivor. Yes. Literally a survivor. Yes.
Do you see how unjust this system is? So we just have to fight against it. There's no way that I would give up, never. There's a third protagonist to this story and um, she's not a survivor in the way that the others are. Her name is Ipek and she's the lawyer who sort of oversees these cases and she's really the kind of the heart and soul of the film in a way. Her resilience and optimism and hope among such despair is really what kind of keeps these women going. Well, we'll be speaking to Ipek a bit later in the show. Um, she's truly amazing, as you say. I wanted to talk to you a bit about this as an example of filmmaking as a means of activism. Did this kind of make you excited about how film can be used for this purpose and still be quality film not just be kind of propaganda i'm glad you've asked me that question anna because as a self-proclaimed documentary nerd i do think that sometimes documentary gets a bad rap because so often we think of it as a kind of medium of uh, delivering a message and actually it's more about telling stories and more about kind of extraordinary people and, and things that are true rather than always hammering home a kind of very explicit or very didactic message however how wonderful when those two things can kind of coalesce in the way that they do in this film and I, I think in choosing these fascinating resilient women that point is able to kind of be underscored in a, in a really productive way and I, I do think the fact that Chloe herself as the filmmaker kind of steps back and allows these women the space to speak for themselves and to tell their stories. It's a privileged position to be able to come in and to do that without being politically persecuted. And I think that's possibly the benefit of her being an outsider coming in to platform these women's stories. I don't think the film can even be shown in Turkey. I think it was rejected from festivals because it was so controversial. Is there any other moments that really struck you? That I mean, there are a lot of memorable moments in this film. Anything else you wanted to highlight? I think just sort of, I mean, spoiler, but seeing Kubra um, reunited with her young daughter, who she was denied access to for a very long time, on the basis that she, they didn't think that she was able or capable to kind of look after her. And so there was like a custody battle with the grandparents when you just sort of see her playing with her and, and she says, I love her voice. Like she sort of hears her daughter singing and laughing and she's like, I really love hearing her voice. I found that uh, absolutely heartbreaking and... Um, yeah, that, that really stayed with me. There's some lovely moments in the film and sad but beautiful, poignant, I think. Simon, what else are you up to at the moment? Is there anything we should know about? What else am I up to? Trying to get all my copy done before Christmas. <laughs> I am excited to get through all my uh, stack of screeners for award season um, that the Critics Circle have sent and hopefully kind of catch up on some stuff that I've missed. And people can find you on Twitter and in The Observer as usual? Yes, my uh, Twitter handle is at heavier underscore things and uh, I'm in The Observer every other Sunday so look out for me uh, and on the weeks when I'm not there look out for my brilliant colleague Wendy Eyde Excellent Oh Simon thank you so much for joining us to talk about Dying to Divorce it really meant a lot Thank you Thank you That was Simran Hands I'm now delighted to welcome director Chloe and lawyer Ipek onto the show today. Hello. Hello. So nice to be here. It's lovely to have you on the podcast because, as you know, we celebrate women in film. And what more important topic could there be than this? Congratulations to you both on an urgent and very affecting film. Thank you. Thank you so much. Chloe, I'll start with you. What compelled you to make this film? 
Well, I was um, in Turkey back in 2015 now working on a completely different project with a journalist called Christina Asquith. And she was aware of the work of these um, really powerful women's activists. So we just decided we would check it out completely on spec. And we arranged to actually film and do an article following Aishan, an activist, meeting Arzu, a woman who'd been shot at close range in the arms and legs by her husband when she tried to leave him. That scene is one of the most powerful scenes in the film and it was also our first encounter with the story and the fact that it was such a shocking encounter that the violence was so extreme was one big motivator but it was also Arzu that she had such a strength of character she had so much to say and she had so many insights to share about what had happened to her about the violence that she saw happening against women within her country it felt that well, that there was a real urgency to get her voice and other voices like hers out there. It was incredibly powerful and shocking, I found, watching this, and we'll speak to that a little bit more later. But Epec, can you tell the listeners more about what you do if they haven't seen the film and why you wanted to be a part of this? I am a lawyer practicing in Turkey, in Istanbul, actually. I've, uh, my main focus is family law, and I also deal with domestic violence cases and femicide cases. So I'm part of a platform named We Will Stop Femicide Platform. And uh, this is a local NGO which provides pro bono legal aid to those who have suffered domestic violence and the surviving uh, families of femicide cases. So I work, I'm a volunteer for the platform, and I have been following cases all around Turkey and when Cleo started uh, working and started shooting we met over platforms and events and she said would you like to tell me about one of your cases and at that time I had already started following one of the persons that is featured in the movie Kubra who was subject to domestic violence very recently after she had given birth. So I, I started telling Cleo about the case and we found a connection. So she started following the case with me. And congratulations on the work you do. Honestly, it's so impressive. And this film really showcases that. Chloe, did the film start to take a different shape as you met more and more people fighting for this cause? What Did it change direction? Or were you always very clear how you wanted it to go? It changed direction because mainly because of the political landscape in Turkey. That was our biggest and it was such a, you know, a kind of shocking change. So when I first started filming, I had met Epec and these other fantastic, brilliant activists who were so dynamic. They were fighting to change laws in Turkey and it really seemed like they were definitely going to do it. And so we were like, this is a law change film and there's this awful violence, but there are women here with solutions who are fighting back in a massive, impressive way. None of that changed because that is still the case, of course. But what changed was that what they're fighting against and the challenges that they're up against are ever increasing. In 2016, the attempted coup uh, resulted in a crackdown on all free speakers, people speaking out, people trying to reform, change, criticise the government in any way, which was just a monumental change in terms of how we filmed the film and what we were able to film. But also in terms of the women's ability to get justice, it just everything started to get slower and slower and slower and also the risks to women like EPEC lawyers who started to get imprisoned and in the film we experienced that with EPEC that she could be next because the, the circle is tightening all, all the time. 
Epec, what keeps you going and fighting this cause in, as Chloe says, very dangerous and difficult circumstances? I think it's the fact that the women's movement in Turkey is quite inspiring. It's very motivated, it's very empowering, and then the solidarity is really, really strong. Feeling that you're part of this huge committed group of women who apparently evaluate the same problems in Turkey, that it's the political speech that translates into different forms of violence in the community. And it is important that we combat against that. And we are inspired to, to change this political language and to support all the women that speak out and ask for support. So I think that sense of solidarity and knowing that everything we fight against is part of this systematic structure so it is seeing the problem all together and um, we feel like we are strong enough to provide solutions I think to be able to provide solutions is one of the reasons that keeps me going. Chloe talk to me a bit about the women that you spoke to making this film they must have had to be very brave to speak up but there's also a real sense of the strength of the survivors what kind of really impressed you when you were speaking to these amazing women I think it was their resilience and I think it was the fact that in the face of challenges often increasing challenges they got stronger in the face of that they didn't weaken it was the opposite of what you might expect and I think following their rehabilitation from their injuries was just so deeply moving to meet someone who can barely communicate and following them to the point where they're speaking out and giving testimony in court against their husband was amazing to be able to see you know what she's managed to achieve in doing that and really understand how difficult that is for her and the same goes for Azu she the other survivor she learns to walk again using prosthetic legs and again it's just epic challenges but they did it with such strength and dignity and sort of almost just got on with it really um because they knew they had to so I think I never thought of them as really truly sad stories because I always saw them moving forward and that was what captivated me and it just showed me the amazing things that are actually possible what humans can achieve is is phenomenal it's very inspiring to see that isn't it incredible what they've overcome Epec, what can people who are listening to girls on film right now do about this cause how can they help I think it is very important to raise awareness and like to talk about gender-based violence, to talk about gender-based discrimination and how it has consequences in Turkey. But this situation, the, the domestic violence we see and the, the femicides that we see that have been portrayed in this movie is not exclusive to Turkey. This is a problem in UK as well. This is a global problem. So solidarity among all the women will be important for solutions to raise awareness and to look at the reasons why gender-based violence is increasing so much. And it is the beginning of a new global discussion. So I think it is important that we can all talk about it and connect and like criticize if something happens in Turkey, but then look also in our own society and neighborhood and see if we see the traces of such violence in our own community as well and talk about that as well and try to do something. Absolutely. And Chloe, this is, by the way, congratulations. And the UK's nominated film for the International Film Oscar. What relevance do you think it has to the situation in the UK at the moment, as Epec was just saying? I think when you actually look into it, the UK situation, it's not in a great place. I mean, a woman is murdered every three days in the UK, has 
doesn't have a good record of convicting sexual violence in particular. And of course, when you have a terrible moment like the murder of Sarah Everard and the huge outpouring from women saying clearly they don't feel safe, you have to, you see only parallels to what happens in Dying to Divorce the film. You, It isn't this remote other place. Yes, it is more extreme in many ways, but it's something that you can relate to, you can draw parallels to, and you can learn from because the women are really overcoming, surviving, battling, fighting, and on the front line of extreme violence. So I think there's so much that other societies and other countries can can take from that. Epec, this was filmed over five years. I mean, this is a question for you both, really, and you've touched on some of this, but what have been the main differences that you felt and seen between when this documentary started and where we're at right now? Um, things are not getting any better. It's just um, recently, um, this summer, Turkey, through the individual decision of President Erdogan, withdrew its signature from Istanbul Convention. Istanbul Convention is an international agreement that is designed to combat domestic violence and violence against women, gender-based violence, basically, in all forms. And it provides an important roadmap for countries how to do that. And so we're no longer, Turkey is no longer part of that international treaty. If Cleo had been shooting, she would definitely cover all the protests against this withdrawal. So I think that is one of the um, bad highlights that took place since the film was finalised. Yeah, I guess I can only add that in some ways we wish we'd been able to keep filming because the the fight back after the pullout from the Istanbul convention was enormous and very inspiring and it really captured an international audience as well and that was all through the work of the activists so I would very much have liked to have followed that and um, include that in some way but we were lucky in another way that we were actually releasing the film at the same time that that happened so the film was there as an example of all the reasons why Turkey should continue to be in that framework and should be doing everything they can to um, try and end this violence. Well said and Chloe so if people want to see the film and share it with people and tell them all about it how can they do so? Uh, it is having a release it was released in the UK last year so it was in some cinemas it's also in cinemas in Scotland that's where EPEC is calling from our, our Scottish <laughs> leg of releasing the film and we'll continue to have screenings and information about screenings and festivals that the film is um, partaking in or on our website dyingtodivorce.com and yeah, all future broadcasts will, will be publicised on there first. Well, I really do hope that this is seen by not just by a lot of our listeners, but also voters and, and such like, because it seems like a really important film come awards season to, to take note of. I think um, one of the things that we, in a way, always want to impress upon people that the reason this story was really compelling was that it wasn't a story without hope. And when you read the write-up about shocking and increasing femicide rates in Turkey, and that's what this film is about, it sounds like, oh gosh, oh, do I have to watch that? Um, do I have to confront that? And yes, there is a lot of, you know, reality in it, which is very painful and, and difficult to watch. But within that darkness is such profound hope that is so moving and uplifting um, there is another power within it that we hope galvanizes people to action.
And as you say, I did find it inspiring in so many ways. It's not just, you know, a shocking watch, but it's it's a really important one to celebrate the resilience of incredible women, including both of you. Thank you, Epek, and thank you, Chloe, so much um, for bringing this thank to our you. attention and for sharing the story of dying to divorce. Thank you so much. Thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. And enjoy thank the rest you. of Scotland, Epek. Thank you so much. <laughs> That was Chloe Fairweather and Epek Boskurt. Dying to Divorce is the UK's official Oscars entry for Best International Feature Film and Best Documentary Academy Awards. It's also submitted in the BAFTA Best Documentary category and Film Not in the English Language category. To find out more, go to dyingtodivorce.com. If you enjoyed listening today, don't forget to like and subscribe to the pod and do share it with your friends. Thank you, lovely listeners. We'll be back very soon. Stay safe. Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, audio producer Benjamin Cook, interns Rosa Herxheimer and Shania Pithia, and our partners for this episode of Dartmouth Films. I'm Anna Smith and I was joined by Simran Hans, Chloe Fairweather and Epek Boskurt. No way that I would give up, never. <laughs>